This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. You're listening to Launchpad on Business Radio. Welcome back to Launchpad on SiriusXM Business Radio. I'm your host this week, Carl Ulrich. I'm Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Wharton School, where I teach those subjects as well as product design. I'm super lucky to be joined now in the studio by Ben Hyman, who's the co-founder and CEO at Revival Rugs. Ben, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me on this Veterans Day. All right, so I, I yeah, let's recognize our veterans. That's a nice, nice reference. And I, I... I, I'm always reluctant to start too much of a conversation at the break in the studio because I want to ask the interesting stuff on uh, when the listeners can hear. But but I did mention that the reason Ben said, how'd you find me? And I said, oh, well, I bought two of your rugs last week. <laughs> and it's often one of the great pleasures of of hosting the show is if I see something cool out there in the world, I asked Dana, the producer, to see if we can get the entrepreneur because I just want to learn more about the, the business. So, Ben, let's first things first, the the website, it's Revival Rugs. I love it. Two dictionary words, no nonsense, just RevivalRugs.com. Right, so, yeah. Ben, give us the elevator pitch for Revival Rugs. Yeah, so we're, we're a digitally native brand that's um, democratizing access to the sorts of rugs you didn't think you could afford, mm. the, the kinds of rugs that... Um, would be at higher end retailers that would charge, you know, four or five or six thousand dollars for a rug. We asked ourselves the question, why is that? Mm-hmm. And as we began to dig a little deeper, we thought we could make it better and and really provide access to a new generation of rug buyers who who really want this want this sort of a product. Yeah. What? Why is it that? Uh, so let's let's calibrate. Uh, you know, a five by eight, six by nine, that yeah. kind of rug. Can be five, six thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, why? Why is that? You know, it's a, it's a combination of factors. The the first is like the kind of the supply chain, mm-hmm. which which is kind of bloated. So um, you have rug collectors in many countries that then sell to wholesalers in those countries, who then sell to wholesalers in the United States, mm-hmm. who then sell to retailers in the United mm-hmm. States, and every uh, link along the supply chain takes a little piece of the action and. And prices start to increase, um, mm-hmm. but the other reason is that we're we're talking about in some ways a blind kind of item where it's it's really like buying a piece of art. Yeah. And so, um, we ha- you have retailers that would that, that that could charge that amount, and people people didn't always know what, what they're buying. Um, and then you also had the the kind of the traditional structure of brick and mortar, where you have rug stores that might sell two or three pieces a month. Mm-hmm. And they're, they need to charge those margins to keep the lights on. Right. And so um, all of those things contributed to kind of a, a strange pricing structure. Yeah. And, um, and so we, th- we thought we could maybe um, kind of change the dynamics with, within the business. Yeah. So uh, I – and by the way, I suppose we ought to just clarify what kind of rugs we're talking about. So give us the category. Describe yeah, the category. Yeah, so, um, so they're, they're kind of one-of-a-kind pieces mm-hmm. – most of the rugs on the site are, are vintage, so they've been made between 20 and 100 years ago, mm-hmm. um, although we are doing our own new production now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all handmade, hand-knotted from particular regions of Turkey, where we have a team from India and, and soon Morocco. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all done in kind of the traditional way that rugs used to be made, um, 
where you might have a female cooperative that was coming together and making a rug over the course of three or four months. Um, And so the pieces are are quite unique um, and really kind of special heirloom pieces that we sell on the site. And this is what would be colloquially referred to as orientals. These are oriental rugs. Yeah, Yeah. they're basically orientals. Exactly. Exactly. And, And walk us through the the user experience yeah so it's 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 very very simple on online we have all of our rugs um, published on our website Mm -hmm. and categorized into different categories depending on how the the kind of the processing that goes into to getting the rugs to market Um, and and users can select by size or select by city that the rug came from um, colors uh, there's kind of a a bunch of different ways to cut the 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 inventory Mm -hmm. Um, we actually this week we're going to be introducing AR onto the site, so you mm-hmm. can actually see the rugs in your in your space before you purchase, which mm-hmm. is exciting. Um, oh, in your space. So you'll be able to take a photo with your phone of your yeah. of your living room yeah. and then b- basically impose uh, superimpose the rug into the space. Yeah. Um, so you can see how it would look underneath your your coffee table. Cool. Cool. Um, so yeah, it's 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 we want to kind of try and simplify it as much as we possibly can, um, and and make it as frictionless as possible. Yeah. Um, it's it's tricky because we, we, we are talking about like a, in many ways a piece of art where you have right. to get the photography really, right. it has to be down really well. And, right. and, and, uh, and so that's some of the challenging parts of the operation. Yeah. How, about how many rugs are on the site at any we one have, time? At any one time we have between, uh, I would say, 2,000 to 3,500 rugs yeah. on the site at any yeah. one time. So – a factor of ten more than would be in the biggest bricks and mortar retailer. Yeah, basically. we have we have yeah. quite a big selection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is what I one of the things I loved about I loved about it. I I thought the user experience was quite good, and I I I thought the way you I didn't know about the ARs you hadn't launched it yet, but you you put the rug. I actually like this feature where you put the the actual rug in the same living room setting, the same gray sofa where you can sort of see right. what it what it would look like. Is that done yeah. digitally or, or do you no, literally we, photography? We, we, uh, we have a, a warehouse in, <laughs> in Istanbul and we literally built it's a warehouse where we process roughly a thousand plus rugs a month. Whoa. And we, we photograph each and every rug that yeah. comes through and we built a, a photo studio into yeah. the warehouse. Yeah. Um where we photograph the rugs and, and um do an overhead shot and the macro shots, and we're we're taking in an immense amount of data on each right. rug when we when we purchase them uh, yeah. and and work with our suppliers. Yeah, of course, I w- I would guess the biggest challenge is this is as you say it's a piece of art, it's an aesthetic object, and one of the beautiful thing about beautiful things about these rugs is the subtle colors. Yeah. So yeah. how how do you manage that? Because it's the colors got to be different on every device and and. And the way, the way you photograph it, how, how do you manage that? Yeah. that that's really tricky, and yeah. it's, it's a, a bit of a science and a bit of art. We hired really good photographers mm-hmm. uh, to, to join the team who, who do this for – who are doing this for, like, the Turkish version of Amazon and, uh, and photographing hundreds of items. Mm-hmm. And we have some color correction software that we use, and we have really good cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you're right. I mean, someone's, someone's – um, you know, th- their monitor could be calibrated a right. little bit differently – and they might be getting a slightly different experience than somebody else, um, and and that's where we kind of have this this very flexible return policy, right. where we allow customers to experience the rug in their home, and mm-hmm. and if it doesn't quite work, um, t- 
to, to send it back to us yeah. um, to, to reduce that friction. Yeah. You know, it, it, it seems a little daunting, but these rugs are not – how heavy are they? So a six-by-nine rug – It's not as heavy as you'd think. Yeah. You know, yeah. So we actually box the rugs. Yeah. Um, you fold it up. We fold them up, and we put them in almost an attaché-style yeah. box. So, you know, when you the, – the, the kind of how you think about – you know, buying a rug from like a West Elm or something, and you, people see them in their, their three-story right? yeah. walk up, and you see this massive roll in the in the foyer, and we were like, "That's a sh that's a crappy experience." Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, why don't we try and simplify that? And and so we we started to try and did all these experiments mm -hmm. to try and fold the rugs, and we created different box sizes for different mm -hmm. rugs, and and we actually box it and, and send it to the customer, and it's all wool, so the folds kind of come out yeah. over time, and um, yeah. It works well. Yeah, it's sort of ideal in that respect. And then something I was remiss in, in saying, I mean, for me, what led me just to buy two, click click on two rugs and 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 buy them was, they are not that expensive. So you know that rug that we were just talking about is a thousand dollars on your site, typically. right? Right, and it might be three or four at an, at, a, right. at a higher end retailer in New York, right? Um, and that's really you know that's kind of how the business started was. Um, uh, so we, the, there's four co-founders, mm -hmm. my wife and two, two, two team members in Turkey. Um, and one, one of the team members was actually uh, in, the ser and it was in the service department business and needed rugs for all of the spaces that he was outfitting in Istanbul mm. and started to build this, these relationships with, with um, folks in, in the countryside who, yeah. were, who were collecting rugs and doing this sort of value-added work to them. Um, and he said, hey, Ben, let's, you know, wh what about wholesaling rugs? Mm. And, I, and I thought there might be an opportunity to, to develop a consumer brand around it. Um, just because uh, I had recently, w with my wife, moved to, moved to Oakland and actually shopped for a rug in the uh. U.S. And I was like, we, we looked at thousands and yeah. they were all really expensive. And, right. um, it, it would take almost three months to have a rug custom custom made and and um it was very expensive and yeah. it just was a kind of a, it was a bad experience so yeah so tell tell us a little bit about that about that the the sourcing of yeah. the of the rugs yeah. that seems like in some ways the hard part here or one of the hardest it is parts it here. is one yeah. of the hard parts yeah. um so we have a team of about 10 people in in turkey um that that essentially go to the countryside uh, of uh, in different smaller towns and cities on a, on a monthly basis and do our 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 buy trips where we're working we're working with a number of artisans kind of spread throughout mm -hmm. throughout the country and and these artisans kind of collect older rugs and and do some of the the value added work to them mm -hmm. that I was describing and they they they're basically supplying us with with our inventory yeah. exclusively um and um and we work with them to kind of determine how each rug, how we want to process each mm -hmm. rug. In some cases, we leave the rugs as is and just clean them. In other cases, we actually re-dye them to kind of more, more kind of pallets that are more um, that that the modern a modern audience might be might might like a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, in other cases, we leave them as is and, and, and clean them, and and we can also customize them as mm -hmm. well uh, mm -hmm. by by cutting them and, and things like that. And was that that those practices? Were they already being used on a on a smaller scale locally in Turkey? Yeah, yeah. it's it's a, it's a really interesting market because yeah. you have you have like um, kind of the young adults in Turkey who they don't really want their grandmother's rug. Uh, they they want to get rid of it and get yeah. something at IKEA. <laughs> um, and you have and and you have this immense amount of rug production that happened in the nineteen 
40s and 50s and 60s in Turkey. And people, are, people don't want those rugs. Mm-hmm. And, and so you have this secondary market that developed. Wow. Um, and, um, and, and, and so you had middlemen kind of in Istanbul tapping into these rug collectors in, in more rural areas. And we, th- we thought, let's cut those guys out and, and basically just work directly with the artisans um, in, in those areas. And so, and so we take these monthly trips where we kind of do a soft buy and, and determine which rugs we want. Mm-hmm. We want, and then a, no, a, a bunch of work happens to the rug. We clean them. Uh, in some cases, we trim them down. We mend them if they need it, um, and then we uh, bring them all to our warehouse in Istanbul, where we photograph all the rugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, and and then you ship them. You photograph them. Then you got to get them to the, you get them to the U.S. by container. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we we containerize them. Yeah. Um, kind of have unique SKUs for all of them and, and, and containerize them and send them to the mm-hmm. States where we have another warehouse in Union City just just uh, south of Oakland uh, where we where we house all the rugs and when one's purchased, you know, it gets to gets to customers in two or three days. Yeah. Nice. It's 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 really cool. You know, one more thing on the rugs I was curious about. I mean of course the the vintage quality of them is the patina is part of the appeal. Yeah. But w- what is the are there quality differences in terms of the rugs that are being made today? Are they even being made today? In, yeah, they in, are. Yeah. yeah, in Turkey they're not. So yeah. it, the the other oh, there are to some degree. We're working with a few rug mm-hmm. rug makers that are still doing it, but they're few and far between. Uh, a lot of the rug making is happening uh, in India today. Mm-hmm. Handmade rug making. Mm-hmm. Some in Pakistan mm-hmm. um, and in Morocco. There's mm-hmm. some kind of cottage industry uh, rug making going on. But yeah, a lot of it's a lot of rugs today are are kind of either done by machine, um, and and you kind of lose that artisanal quality, sure. or they're done in mass in ah, in, in in India, um, and and some of the artisanal cr- quality is lost as mm. well. You know things like um, handmade yarn and and natural dyes and some of the things that um, kind of set set a rug apart in terms of its beauty, the patina, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know some of the kind of the ombre fading patterns and things like that yeah. just don't exist in in new rugs, um, and so um, and so we're even for the new rugs we're making we're kind of trying to take the learnings we've had from the the vintage yeah. experience and, and apply them to to new rug production yeah. as well. And and then w- one of the things I mean I I like to think I have some design sense and yeah. so I I sort of liked the process but I think for most people it'd be pretty daunting yeah. to pick a rug. Yeah. How, I, you do a nice job of illustrating size by you yeah. show some room layouts and say okay this is what it would look like in a conventional sofa yeah. and about this big. How 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 do you guide people? Do you offer any design services or ways we, to help people? Yeah. We do. Uh, our so if if people email hello at revivalrugs.com, mm-hmm. we're we're pretty good at like kind of guiding people towards mm-hmm. the right rugs. Um, but we should do more of it and we're thinking about some partnerships with um, different interior design yeah. platforms that can kind of help people make some of those decisions. We 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 have a one interior designer that's on the team. Um, and another who we kind of bring on for particular projects, um, but but yeah, I mean it's 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 tough, you yeah, know. There's this really this, this yeah. buying paralysis that goes yeah. on because there's so much to choose from, and um, it, it's and I think the AR will help as well yeah. because people will be able to see it in, in their space. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Launchpad on SiriusXM Business Radio. I'm Carl Ulrich, and I'm speaking with Ben Hyman, who's the co-founder and CEO of Revival Rugs, and that's RevivalRugs.com. So, Ben, let's talk a little bit about the business. So, awesome, 
I, I mean, I, I love the, the idea. The origin story is really cool. Uh, how did you validate the opportunity and get started? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was about a seven or eight month process before we actually opened up for business. Um, we, 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 had, we had an idea that, you know, we did two things, I think, that really made a difference. One is that we surveyed people. Mm. Um, so friends and family and, and tried to get their sense of how they shop for rugs and try and figure out how our site should be structured and, and that sort of a thing. And then we also did a lot of price comparisons and we looked at competitors, you know, some of the big box stores mm -hmm. and, and also kind of higher end retailers. Yep. And we thought like if we can if we could come in at a lower price than a, a big box store and offer like a, a, a product that is so unique and so special. Um, I mean, our rugs are, are basically priced lower than a West Elm rug, and, and you're getting even, a very yeah, a even very, than an IKEA rug. I mean, it's right. you know an IKEA Oriental for sure, right? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And yeah. so we, we felt like yeah. we, we got something here, yeah. And and when we we started doing the analysis on our gross margins and, and kind of how it all fit together, we thought you know there's a business here, um, and and so that's where that we did that in an initial quantitative analysis up front, and um, and then started to interview people, and then. You know, it's like any pre-revenue business. It's it's a bit like you think it's going to work. Yeah. It's, um, you interview Will the people. dogs eat the dog food is right. the question. And, yeah. um, we set ourselves up, I think, in part for success because um, we started to do some marketing early on before we even launched the business to b begin to develop that email list and uh, started testing things out on Facebook uh, a little bit and just got a sense of, okay, people are kind of uh, are interested in this. And, and um, if you're willing to to give us your email uh, right. to, to potentially buy a rug th two months down the road, maybe maybe there's something there. Yeah, um, it's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. So the other thing I, I want to ask about that is, I if I could, if Crunchbase is to believe be, be to be believed, uh, you've done this uh, very lean, yes. with very little capital. Yes. Uh, so tell us a little bit about financing and why you made those decisions. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. it's it's uh, so we we bootstrapped it uh, to get started. Um, we raised about 280k from, well, actually, we started. At, we raised about 130k from friends and family. Mm -hmm. We bought uh, kind of 200 rugs. Yep. We got a warehouse in yep. Istanbul. We started photographing them. My wife put together the website. Um, she was working a full time job at Kaiser Permanente in, mm -hmm. in Oakland. Um, yeah, you know, and, and we we honestly we we thought. The market kind of validated for us, and, and we thought, okay, we have something once we started seeing the sales come in. Um, and at that point, we raised a little bit more money from friends and family, um, and and things continued to grow, and we've, mm -hmm. we've grown quite a lot. Um, we started with 200 rugs. Now we have 3,000 rugs yeah. on the, on the yeah. site. Um, but um, but it's been tough. I, uh, you know, bootstrapping a business yeah. is tough. Um, we, we had the option to raise uh, you know, a few million dollars kind of the fir after the first year or so. And they they wanted to to kind of value us like a vintage rug business and yeah. and we're, we we kind of view ourselves as we're going to go beyond vintage rugs down the road, sure. um, given that we're in these markets and 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 so we just didn't feel like it was quite right, uh, and so we were able to do it you know on our own and and very lean and and kind of have gradually raised money from friends and family yeah. as we scaled. Well, the other thing I was just going to think about is I'll, even that first bet. Worst case, you could pull a van out in a parking lot somewhere and get rid of yeah, those rugs, right? Yeah, that's kind of what we thought. Yeah, so we were like, we could sell them on eBay, I guess, yeah. if like, no one wants them. Or... Yeah, so it's 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 working capital. A lot of yeah. this is working capital. Yeah. And that's um, a slightly different proposition. It is. And yeah. and we we also uh, have a relationship with a company called Lighter Capital, 
um, which does some revenue-based financing for SaaS companies, and mm -hmm. we're the first e-commerce company that they they work with. Um, and uh, and they've provided us with some of that working capital, and, and we're profitable. So that's that's um, allowed us to, to kind of continue to yeah. grow the business. So I was looking at your LinkedIn, and and uh, yeah, it's just sort of this obvious uh, direct line to, to being in this business. You, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, uh, you studied international studies, and, and then you worked at Samsung Electronics, and then you worked in, in uh, in fintech, yeah. uh, so obviously the next thing would be selling rugs online. Yeah, yeah no, it's, <laughs> it hasn't been a linear trajectory. I, I, you know, I, I'm not I, not one of those guys who you know worked in consulting and then did an MBA and and then uh, and then started a business. Um, uh, I started off my career. I, I thought I was actually going to work in public service, um, and uh, was going to actually got a job in intelligence, uh, and wow. and didn't end up getting. Uh, cleared uh through the and by intelligence we mean like the cia yeah yeah, yeah. And, and 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 uh they didn't i didn't end up getting passing the security investigation they did like a 10-month investigation on me um wow. and and so um you know for 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 whatever reason didn't get, get didn't get through it yeah. um i was working as a waiter in dc while they did the investigation and and wow. around that same time um the financial crisis happened, yeah. and I needed to get a job, and I ended up taking a job as a as a researcher at a at, for a small um, group within Harvard that did behavioral science research mm -hmm. in garment factories, mm -hmm. and ended up sending me to Cambodia to oversee some research in in garment factories for the World Bank, and had a very good experience with that, and decided to stay in Southeast Asia and was there for about four years. Um, actually, took a job at a local kind of a regional consulting firm there um, and uh, was consulting to actually connect artisans and uh, farmers to to international markets. So there is a connection. Yeah, there, there was a connection. Um, yeah. And then went to business school uh, following that. And uh, <coughs> and following business school, uh, well, while in business school, I was involved in, in co-founding um, Brooklinen, which is a popular bedsheets business mm -hmm. uh, in the very early stages mm -hmm. of, of that you know, kind of of that business um, and that's gone on to be successful not because of me but because r of rich and and his wife uh, who, who co-founded it uh, but uh, and then moved to Samsung in Asia I thought I was going to spend my career there and that's where I actually met all, uh, other than my wife all the, the two other co-founders wow. uh, for revival yeah. Um, yeah so life's not a not, linear path it is not right. a linear path at all all right ben we got just one minute but i gotta ask about the geopolitics yeah. uh, turkey uh not exactly the uh uh a, a picture of stability right now what, no, what are, what's your concern yeah, yeah or do there, you have concerns there, there are concerns i mean we're, we're always following it um you know the the recent news is fairly tragic mm -hmm. um the you know, it's to to be completely honest. Like in, from a business perspective, it's, we've actually benefited from the lira depreciating. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a lot of the reason why we've decided to also be in India and Morocco is to kind of hedge that yeah. country risk. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that we we think about uh, on all the time. It, uh, we still think there's there's billions of dollars in trade between the United States and Turkey, and it seems like the relationship's going to continue um, stably, but. Um, Something I keep my eye out for, yeah. for sure. Let's hope my own son is there as we speak. Oh, wow. So, well, yeah. well okay. just on business. But, okay, uh, okay. Uh, so, Ben, we're out of time. But thanks so much for making the time, especially for coming in. And uh, it was a real pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Good so check here. them out, revivalrugs.com. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton. 
Launchpad is produced by Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. The show airs live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. You can find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.